Hey everybody, welcome back to The Stubborn Fellows. I'm Duncan, one of your hosts. I'm Cameron, two of your hosts. <laughs> They're both here. Uh, Cameron, you had something you wanted to start with. <laughs> that sounds... It's so rare. <laughs> that sounds... Uh, I wanted to get right to it. No, but you said it in a way where like... Like you, I want. I brought it up. And you're like, oh, that's great. I like that. And, but then you brought it up, like, yeah. like class. Just wait a minute. Uh, Cameron has something he wants to uh, <laughs> interrupt us with. New student in class today who wants to get up and say a few words. I can't talk today. It's so annoying. Hmm. The words, they're not there. The ones that I just said are. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of the ones I wanted to say aren't. What's the trouble? Who knows? Who knows? Do you? I mean. Do you hear the whole sentence in your head when you have a thought? Uh, I doubt it. Or do you picture the words? Uh, no. No? So you're more like, it just comes out of your mouth somehow and you're not sure? I think you can hear that. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I was I was reading something about like some people are, are pattern thinkers and I feel like that might be more akin to the way that I have thoughts because I don't hear them or see them. But they can be hard. Sometimes I, 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 I uh, it's like, oh, I'm not articulate today. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think I'm just not feeling. I don't mean like I'm feeling good or feeling bad. I mean like that I'm not feeling in a fine-grained, intelligent way. That I'm not having impressions that are crisp and interesting. Sure. Not necessarily that I am not articulate with the words to clothe them, but just that I'm not having kind of vibrant flashes across my I feel that way a lot you know I feel like that's still something that only nine episodes in I I actively fight through on the podcast I'm really be interesting and then like a long pause happens and I'm like oh shit we had a lot of long pauses last time I'm like (laughs) we uh, sure did (laughs) well well I'll tell you I'll tell you I'll reveal something to you and the listeners I'm trying to have more confidence in my own brain Lately, I've spent the majority of the pandemic relying on a lot of edible weed. And I may or may not have been relying on it to make myself more interesting in the podcast sense. Are you showing up sober? Have you been showing up not sober? I've been showing up not sober, and I'm sober today. So this is just episode one. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I stand by everything I said, but it did lead to, I think, like the back half of some episodes being very you-heavy. And just and it wasn't it wasn't specifically that I was disappointed in that, but I was just like, why don't you just be like have your whole brain, you dummy? You're trying to do this thing authentically and really get into stuff. So yeah, fresh start. Here I am. I don't know. Do you have any on you? I don't know about this. <laughs> well, it would take a while to take you know to have an an impact. So here we are. Anyway. Edibles are terrible. Terrible. They're great, but they're like, when they're not great, you're like, oh, no, I'm up here now. Yeah. And it takes, if you had to drink alcohol, but then you could only find out two hours later, like, how much alcohol you drank, that would be a pretty gnarly. Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of the issue, too, as they were, they were homemade. See, the noun didn't come. What was the <laughs> noun? It'd be a pretty gnarly. What? S- situation. Yeah, but that's terrible. That's not what I meant. I could feel yeah. it, but I couldn't say it. What is it? What's the word? I don't, I don't know the compromise. word. Compromise. No, not a compromise. That'd be a pretty terrible 
handicap thing <laughs> you do this quite a bit where you're just there's only one word that will do and if you can't find it that's yeah that's, yeah then you're stuck right there until you deal yeah, i'm like a sharpshooter <laughs> i'm like i either get it or i don't i uh you know doing stand-up has helped me i think put things in less specific terms conversationally because I feel like out of college, you know, I, I studied writing and I had that very like, oh, I gotta, I gotta use this specific. And now I'm just like, oh, that'd be a bad place, dude. If you didn't know how much alcohol you drank. Silence. St- stop. <laughs> Any- no, no, silence. Must say something. <laughs> we don't have. What did you want to start with? You had a great, uh, you know, rhetorical question for everybody. Oh, it was more of a statement that if I died today, despite doing lots of work on myself Mm -hmm. and having a pretty bright outlook on life, my life specifically and life in general, intermittently, but pretty good. I still, if I died today, I think I would consider my life a failure. I don't even have to die today. I I probably just up until this point consider that my life, yeah, my life would be a failure if I died today. I guess that's in a sense what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so what's up with that? I mean, like, Ugh. what does that mean? What, and what do you think? Not about me, but go ahead. <laughs> if you want to weigh in on me, please go ahead. What do you think? But I guess that will be the conversation. Well, I think you're a failure. Yeah, no, uh, no, I've, I feel the same, although my gut reaction is a little more mixed than I think it would have been at any point in the past. Like, I'm closer to being like, uh, you, you know, I've done. I'm happy with some stuff that I've done. <laughs> Bare minimum, I have one comedy album out there that I'm proud of, which is like, it's it feels like the bare minimum of like, oh, I achieved one thing I set out to do, but I definitely would consider if I died in this moment to be a, a failure overall. Yeah. Well, that was a great opening topic. <laughs> two, couple of failures <laughs> coming at you. Uh, do you think, I mean, like, do you, are there certain things you want to achieve that you you believe you wouldn't feel that way? I mean, do you have do you have certain things you're measuring when you come to that conclusion? I must. Yeah, I, I don't it's it's uh I can't tell if it's lots of things or one thing. Hmm. With lots of symptoms. Right, with lots of sort of like I don't know if I've ever laid it on the line in a in a meaningful way. And that's weird to say because like I did do comedy and I I didn't do comedy that was especially like protective of myself. Mm-hmm. I kind of with you and with Kath Barbador, I think like I'm a pretty confessional kind of comedian. I I I, I give my life and I say, here it is. Mm-hmm. And I did it and I but then I stopped doing it, and then I started making greeting cards, and then I went around the country and got a bunch of stores, and then I had them in a bunch of stores, and that was cool. But then I stopped doing that, <laughs> and I've written a, lots of 700-page novels that I then stopped writing. Sitting on a bunch of pros, yeah. And then I took sketch classes at UCB, and I did good at that. And then I stopped writing sketches, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then. It's, it's like... uh. 
little amuse bouches of success here and there. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's how I feel. But ultimately, I don't know. I think it's um. I don't know. What's an interesting idea of like perspective in terms of, because for me, it's the same where I have like, well, I've done a certain amount in comedy and I've done like a little dabbling in music. And then I still have some, you know, I've done a little like published internet writing about various things, but nothing like that I feel like reflects something I'd be proud of, you know, like an essay or, or prose or something. Uh, so it's, it's, it's less like the, the older I get, the less I'm like, well, I need to specifically be a touring stand-up that has TV appearances or this or that and the other. But it's like this idea of like this volume of work that I'm not, I haven't done yet. That would be very dissatisfied to get like a cancer diagnosis or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, if that's the, if, if that's the conclusion... That's if that's the end of the conversation that we just had, then that's not the thing that we brought up. Right. Like that's right, not right, why we right. thought it was interesting. Clearly there's a little dissonance. There's a little tension in yeah. us between that conclusion feeling that conclusion feeling really natural. And then how natural it feels feeling kind of suspicious. There's something not quite right with the taste of it. Yeah. That that where we're standing from is where we don't want to be standing. That like that kind of success or failure is 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 a sort of um, vestige that doesn't serve us anymore to think of success in those terms because well it's like because it's once you take away the like life or death you know binary of the question like like you said we're both saying we consider ourselves failures yes. thus far and, and I stand by it you just said I still stand by it I and well like if I had to answer that question. In those terms, that's that's would be my response. Right? And because not only have I not accomplished things, I'm selfish, yeah. I'm petty, <laughs> I'm overly sensitive, I'm oh. way too sensitive, I'm self-seeking, Yeah, I use other people as like off-site self-caches so that I can, like if I lose who I am, I can go to a friend and be like, hey. Yeah. That's like, I didn't even think about it, like as a guy, like yeah, well, I definitely have so much I want to do and different than I want to be. I want to get out of these like anxiety loops where I don't get back to people. And you know, we were talking about this before, but right. I'm really struggling to like get my job done on a consistent basis. Cause it's freelance writing that is on my own schedule. And anytime I'm behind on that, I then like just stop like getting back to my parents or something. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm always just sort of like, well, I should be doing that and yeah. instead of emailing my dad or whatever. And it goes like, gets to be like two months. I don't want to be that guy. Ugh. I feel like more of a failure as a guy than as a creative achievement person. It's hard because if you got better at all of those things and then you felt better about it, you would feel bad about feeling better about it. You'd feel bad about feeling good about it. Yeah. <laughs> the best you could feel about it is not assessing how you are anymore. Does sure. that make sense? I, sure. I, I think I may be overstating it, but not by much. That if you're consciously aware of your progress, then you're still judging yourself on that spectrum. Right. Using that rubric of judgment. And then so you're, you're still kind of a slave to it. That you can't quite win a game without 
losing it sometimes. Just the regression to the mean means that if you're judging yourself and thinking about yourself a lot, then you have to pay the piper. If you're in the sunshine, then you have to cast a shadow, kind of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> it's sort of paradoxical, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, failure at what is is a good question. The feeling better would just have to be some new life where I don't know. I don't I'm I'm talking I'm 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 uh having word trouble. Not word trouble, I just wasn't making any sense. <laughs> I mean I you know, like the the more I think about it, the more I try to allow myself more grace. You know? Where it's like, oh, there's so much more I want to do. But on the other hand, I'm proud of what I've done. Or uh I remember reading there is a um there's actually like some sort of scale, like creative achievement quotient or something, like a CAQ score. Where it's like, have you done you know, have you have you self released this? Have you have you been published in any facet of this? And I think we'd both be in like the ninety ninth percentile of that score for most people. Oh good, well I feel fine. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean maybe it's not for us to say is is the the most ideal knee-jerk response to that. When I imagine my funeral, if I died now, I really do just imagine people going like, he sure. never really, he, he never put it together. <laughs> I know that's crazy, but I, I feel that way. But maybe people would feel that way. I don't know. That's not how I would feel. Yeah, well, I know. I mean, I think that's the exercise is like from the outside you go, well, you've done a lot of stuff. I don't know. Less interesting than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> well, because like now we have to go on record as failures. That's. I I feel like even saying that makes me it feel makes me feel bad about feeling so like self important. You know, as to be like, ugh, I didn't achieve all my dreams. I didn't share the beautiful inside of my mind with the rest of the world as much as I wanted to. Yeah, that sounds like you. That sounds about right. <laughs> well, that's not the face I want to put forward to the world. I don't know. I've been listening to mindfulness in plain English. And there is a a way to describe meditation as, as just like just like not having any judgment on your reaction to like sensory input. Mm-hmm. Right? So I've been the idea of just not judging myself all the time, good or bad, has been very helpful to me the last couple weeks so for for in the in the funeral example like putting myself on the spot is like if it's very counter to mindfulness this this life story idea yeah it is yeah you might be right that that's like the central contagion and the whole yeah the whole thing is is judging yourself as a life at all yeah you have inspired moments, you have moments of bliss, you have moments of connection, you have moments of of uh, ecstatic uh, creative expression, and then, then you have moments of your butthole opening up and poop coming out and <laughs> sitting on the toilet on your phone. I mean, that's all of it is, is that's true of a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And feeling bad, and feeling sad, and feeling like you wish you were more this and more that, or less this, or less and more that. Yeah, it's very hard to have a middle speed. 
It is. And it's almost like this really sick trick of nature that my output, my volume is wild. I, I'm always creating stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm always making stuff. I'm never not making stuff. On a random Wednesday, I get my guitar, I start writing dumb songs and singing to the dog, and I am making visual art, and I'm like, I'm yeah. always doing something, I'm always putting stuff out, but it's almost that exact kind of um, temperament makes it really hard to string anything together, or stick with any one thing, mm-hmm. or be really enterprising and be my own PR person or something. So... The gift is sort of the the, the anti gift in a in a way. Yeah, I feel well. I, I don't know if everybody struggles with that. At least creatively, there's there's some people that seem to be very focused on their one thing and very callous about the way they promote themselves. But I feel the same way insofar as like, ooh, some days I'll play the piano all day and really feel like I made progress on a few songs and. You know, I've got comedy stuff going on. I've got other stuff going on, but it's hard to, it's hard to focus it, and it's hard to like get it out in the world. And then when it comes to the point of putting it out in the world, you feel very self conscious about it. Mm-hmm. As you accurately called me earlier, I haven't even shared this podcast on Twitter, so I'm gonna do that. Maybe not this one. Uh, right? This, this idea of like, oh. is this healthy? Like, I don't even know anymore. This podcast, I'm like, this is a great idea. We're we're really getting it out, and then it's like, it starts folding in on itself, like a self itself. Like the podcast becomes like this shared consciousness that we share that is becoming itself narcissistic. <laughs> that is itself narcissist staring at its own self in a lake. The podcast has become conscious, has become self conscious. Oh no, is this just another hellscape realm? Probably not. I don't. I don't think. So. I think it's been. Healthy for me, you know. I can't speak for anybody else in the world, but well, and and, and I feel like have you read any um, Douglas Hofstadter? No, he's the uh, Gerdell Escher black guy. He's obsessed with the Golden Braid sort of self-referential, like Escher drawings. You know, yeah. the, the staircase. So he's he wrote another book called I Am a Strange Loop that I liked quite a bit, where his. His sort of model of consciousness is this constantly self-aware loop. And that's, the more I think of it that way, and less of, of like trying to identify with my life story in a Western sense versus like, you know, I'm really bad at meditating as we got into last yeah. week, to the, this idea of like, I can't spend much time because my mind is very fast in the like meditative death of the ego like selfless place even on like crazy psychedelic experiences I st- you're, 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 you're making uh, shopping lists yeah I, I, <laughs> I maintain a pretty firm grasp of like my life story and the way that I'll take the experience back and like apply it to it so thinking myself as like an eternally like just aware computer that like you know when I'm calm and like we're like exercising or really in psychological flow maybe it's not resetting all the time well, you know, like when I, I can play a three minute song and not be self conscious. But at the end of it, I'll be like, Well, that was a weird thing. Like I always have this like checking back in self aware moment. That sounds like a human yeah. Yeah. So like Yeah, I don't know. That just just at any moment you can just be like caught in this like crystallized self consciousness of like, what am I doing? You know? Right. But but I think 
we might behave like that for each other. I mean, literally you and I. Yeah, yeah. We might be, we might, the, what we elicit from each other might be a kind of biographical check-in that is like the antithesis of the thing that we claim that we're here to do. <laughs> right? Is that like, that we are these sort of like mirror, mirror on the wall reflections for each other of like, how's your life going and how are your progress nodes? Are your progress nodes good or bad? Are you looking up or down? <laughs> Bullish? Bearish? Goatish? What are we doing? Um, and that's good. That's, that's You need that in life, someone who you can check in with. Yeah. But paradoxically, I, we uh, kind of claim that we want the other thing, which is like the mindful hereness of it all. Look, maybe it's helpful to come here and get it all out of our system. I mean, I think there's something like that where it's like... And then hopefully that could be helpful for other people to listen to. Yeah. Getting lost is good because... Um, mm-hmm. Because uh, then it's like you, you found. Can I ask you, when you're, um, so you, you've got these artworks in the other room. Yeah. And anybody listening should follow Joshua Nimbus on Instagram. But like you're melting crayons under one mm-hmm. in this very like, do you like listen to stuff while you're doing that? Or do you just kind of zone out and, and focus on it? Oh, it I, either one. Either one? Yeah. All right. That seems, it seems like, Visual art's something that I don't really have a, uh, I haven't done since like grade school. So I'm just interested in like the mindset of it. Well, with the greeting cards, that was like cartoonish. Sure. So just getting it to look like the thing I wanted it to look like, which was like a third grader drew it, was just a, a bunch of effort. And so... It didn't really matter if I listened to something or not. Whereas the the Nimbus, the Joshua Nimbus stuff is really ecstatic. It, like I want it to look like something happened. Sure. I want it to look like something occurred and that there's um so it can help with music sometimes to just like let the music be the guiding rhythm of the thing, you know? Absolutely, yeah. But uh I don't know. Weed was weed was the big thing. <laughs> just weed. Just being like, oh, this yellow looks so good. Weed does help. Weed helps me play music. Just sit time. there and be in love with color for two hours and hang out with crayons. Like something good will happen. I guarantee it. If you just go, that looks great. My one criterion is, do I want to look at it? Do I want to keep looking at this thing? Yeah. That's it. Do I want to keep looking at it? Do I want to keep looking at it? No. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. 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 And then sometimes you just get this thing that's fucking crazy. Like looks like iridescence itself or something. And like, do you have on any of them this sense of like, so you used to do greeting cards for the listener. He had a original line called marginal sentiments that were like drawings of specific ideas. Mm -hmm. Right. But your artwork recently, is it, do you have any sort of picture of it in your head before you start out? Absolutely not. Wow. How does that even work? Well, (laughs) so my philosophy is just keep going because I'll go longer than anyone. I will ruin the paper. I don't care. I will keep going forever. And the thing is... get crayon bits all over the floor. Yes. After it's ruined, for 90% of people, keep going. Hmm. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And at some point, you will either completely fail in a way that's just obvious and irrevocable or... Something will open up. Something will happen. It'll be cool to look at. It. The fact that you will go far enough 
will make it visually striking in a way because because you'll outlast everyone. You'll go further. You'll just go further. Wow. And this isn't, you never really, did you like have any art classes before that painting one? Or? No. That's nuts to me, man. Why I mean, is that? I would just, just, I guess that's, I shouldn't really, because, you know, like five, six years ago, I just decided to play the piano a lot, but I at least like tooled around as in high school with like playing the drums and other music stuff. So it wasn't out of nowhere. But it's not like the visual art that I make now is formally uh, successful in a way that's really, it's something. I mean, it's something. It's been impressive to everyone you showed it to. Yeah, and I love it. I mean, I'm. Yeah. It's when I I sometimes I'll just look at them to feel better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like, oh, this is a thing because it, it's. You know what it is? Why I love them so much is because they came from a pure place. Mm-hmm. I made them because I wanted to keep wanting to look at them. I wanted because I because I just was like, colors beautiful. Everything's beautiful. Like, and there's like I want to spend a few hours honoring these really basic components of um, experience of, of consciousness, color, depth. De- I love depth. I love a feeling that something happened here and treating the doing as holy somehow. And that's where Joshua Nimbus came from. Wow. Because the Nimbus is a cloud. Cloud is a spirit. Joshua was Jesus Christ's actual name, Yahshua, Yeshua. And so it's not because I think that I'm <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's because... I want to create from the place of union and unity and, and gratitude and love. I want to create from a place of like ecstatic connection, not from a place of I want to make this good. I want to be like, it already is good. It is good. You just enjoy doing it. I mean, this is the, just real quick, I like the idea that we just got Jesus' name wrong and it's Josh Christ. It is. This whole time. It really is Josh Christ. Ah, <laughs> oh, our Lord and Savior, Josh. Uh that's uh, the way you're describing it is a lot kind of how the uh, music sort of came back into my life in 2015 because I was I described that sort of crazy moment in my brain I had on a past episode like after a breakup and I just got really sort of potentially hypomanic but this thought occurred to me because I sort of like dabbled in music and wanted to get more into it but the longer I did comedy and became more this like settled idea of myself I was like well you know I'd then I'm the guy with a band also and Austin and there's so many and would I be any good at it? Who gives a shit? Uh, but the, the moment I had, I was like, I think I would just feel better if I do this. Like, mm-hmm. I think I could like write stuff that I would enjoy listening to. Um, and a lot of the songs feel like I'll just, I, I started this habit almost like the way you go about this stuff where I just play the same song like over and over for like an hour and just find the different like textures in it on the piano and, yeah, and stumble into the right words for like the feeling eventually, and then they actually cheer me up to listen to. <laughs> and if you mean it, yeah, it'll work. Yeah, and it was coming from this like soul place that comedy is hard to get to with. You know. Yeah, because comedy demands. It doesn't demand a lot of. There's a lot of kinds of comedy, but our kind of comedy demands. Yeah. <laughs> deliberate omission it it demands deliberate uh jabbing and then and then uh, uppercutting you need to yeah. set people up and to set people up you have to have a little distance from what you're saying a little bit 
Well, it, it also rewards that constant self-awareness loop. You know, this like this idea of like addressing what's happening live in the room, and then like, oh, this part didn't work, but fuck me for saying it anyway. Am I right, folks? You know what I mean? Right. I think music and visual art and other stuff sort of require this more like jumping on into the water, sort of like unselfconscious, like making art. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Is I had a moment with Lisa where uh, we we're talking about how we like the name Josh Joshua. Sure. I was like, yeah, I, I like, that was Jesus's name, something, and you know, and you know, that's that's my artist name, Joshua Nimbus. And she's like, oh, because you think you're Jesus? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, no, but yet, yeah, but yes, but yes, but I don't think that you're any less Jesus than me. I'm like, yeah, it's a weird thing, and I think I we talked about this before, but when when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, if you take up your cross and follow him, you for sure will get crucified on it. Yeah, because to take it up means to speak with authority, to speak from the place where you know that your connection is real, but to speak with its unearned authority here under the sun, it's it's unearned authority, and to speak with unearned authority really grates on people. Yeah, and it did for him as well. Well, and I think I was just listening on the way here to some Alan Watts, vintage Alan Watts, where he pointed out people have a very monarchical understanding of jesus Mm -hmm. king of kings you know like they 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 that's the way the world used to be western society so we have a very monarchical understanding of religion Mm -hmm. as it was phrased by everybody because they wanted to like reinforce that and i feel like there's still this echo of that when people like well because you think you're jesus what are you like king shit you're like no i'm just it's coming from a high spiritual place and i want to reflect that it's not like a lording over everyone sort of deal Mm-mm. yeah and that wasn't jesus's thing either <laughs> no i mean he kind of a, a little i mean you know you think you're jesus no no because <laughs> thinking you're jesus makes you think it's it's you think that you're crazy but uh i don't think i don't even think he was i don't know it's it's hard to talk about I'm pretty sure he wasn't even saying what he was saying. He, like he said in John, uh, if I give account of myself, then my account is not true, right? If what I'm saying is about me, then it's not true. I'm telling you about some other thing mm-hmm. of which I'm the expression. I'm the son, right? My father works Saturday. I work Saturday. Mm-hmm. I only do what pleases my father. It's. I think he's saying something like, but you can't, I don't think if you step back and you say it academically, like, well, we're all God and I have some, it's like, yeah, no, but you have to fucking own it in a way. If you want to blast, if you want to be a vortex of love and compassion for others, there's a way in which that distance of saying, but we're all God and actually, but, 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 but it's like, no, just go help people and just love and, and connect to the thing where you already have all the stuff that you need. There's yeah. nothing you could do that the universe isn't doing. There's nothing you can do that the father isn't doing. Therefore, why don't you just relax? <laughs> Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. It's going to be based on things that happened like before dinosaurs existed. The Calvinists were probably right. Like we're you're just you're on the roller coaster. Enjoy the ride. Let the big thing breathe through you and then paradoxically when you do that, somehow you get this weird agency once you give it up. Once you give it up, 
once you give up the idea of personal agency and you you, you subscribe to like the Calvinists predestination and stuff. Yeah. It can feel very, especially uh, in America, it sounds very doom and gloom to give up your sense of personal freedom. That's interesting though, because I feel like you, especially in like creative pursuits, which are the most, obviously the most recurring like things I think about in my life and the most spiritual places I get to, the more I let go of like a specific like ambition idea or like, you know, like the more I just started to enjoy doing comedy, the more I had a very, I found agency in, in talking about like specifically things that I found interesting. And, uh, yeah, like uh, the, the more I let go of like, oh, I got to write the perfect contest set, right? To conform to this idea of like what everybody's going to react to as comedy and started to see it as an art form where I can like just find the things that, that, that take me to that place, you know, to, uh, to find the things that connect with people and like express some sort of viewpoint that I didn't realize I had. So yeah, this yeah, it's there's something of the 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 Jeopardy quiz bowl paradox, which is not a real paradox. I made it up. It's that <laughs> quiz bowl. You only enjoy the things you enjoy most, or pub quiz, whatever. Okay. The things that you enjoy getting are the things that you didn't study, or Jeopardy. The things that you say that you don't know. Yeah. But you, but you but some part of you knew them. Well, what part of you knew it if you didn't know it? That that's so great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The part of you that didn't know it is you, but it's not the you that's you. Because I got a bunch the other night. Dugong, Longfellow, and I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. I turned to Lisa. I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know it. But I said it immediately with confidence. And so it's sort of that. And it, you can get up and think of comedy as, let me tell you my perspective and what I know. But the most glorious, joyous moments are often the ones where you didn't know that you knew it and mm-hmm. you didn't know that it was something that other people would respond to. But in the moment you could feel in the sort of texture of the air between you and the audience, you yeah. can feel this is real and I know it's real and I know it's going to work when I say this because it's not me saying it. It's like us. It's like Ram Dass's whole thing. Rent a mouth. It's like you, you, you get to that place where you just know from the gestalt, you know, from the grok, you know, from the other G word that means those things. Yeah, yeah, and it feels like you've stumbled onto it in a very real way. But what does any of this have to do with us thinking our lives would be failures? Because there's this, like, are we not just going to the, like, Chuck E. Cheese and, like, playing skee-ball for a little bit when we do these, like, psychedelic Christ reveries? Like, what are they, and how do you incorporate them? And, or does it matter? I don't know. <laughs> incorporate them into into what? Into your mindset? Into the way you sort of evaluate your life as a success slash failure at any given moment? I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> For the listener, he's thinking very intently. <laughs> Should we? No, I, they, they just, these things feel good mm-hmm. when, I could, when, I, when I get going. But is it any, does is, am I just gesturing wildly with semaphores in the direction of the divine? 
and that feels good and it gives a good workout and I, I get my endorphins going <laughs> <laughs> rhetorically, but I don't, I'm not touching it. Like I'm not embodying it. And then I leave here and then I'll just be a mess. I'll still be a mess and I'll still be a petty idiot asshole who thinks his life is a failure. I mean, like it's the, it's, it's, it's the gap between what I feel like I know when I'm talking to you or when I'm meditating versus, um, the guy that I go back to by default more often than I'd like. Sure. That's tough for me too. When, when we were talking about this a few weeks ago where, cause I, I feel like there's, there's a sense of interpersonal perspective where if people were like, do you think you're a failure? I'm like, I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> like if somebody put me on the spot with that question, but when I'm just out waiting for the elevator to ding, by myself, I I feel discontent in this way that's hard to shake. You hate elevators, or when I'm alone and just with my own thoughts. When you come back to the biographical, yeah, rubric matrix thing. When I when I have that sort of like uh, sigh in the middle of the day and think about like you know, what I haven't gotten done so far and what I have this feeling on a daily basis where I'm like, Ugh, I did not even get close to it today. What is it? I don't know the life that would be an expression of this this God place or spiritual way of being. Yeah, and yet I don't start my day with meditation or prayer or reading holy books. I start them off. Who knows? Let's whatever. However, I roll out of bed and feel. So I, th- it's they call it dis like a spiritual discipline for a reason. Maybe maybe. Yeah. I'll tell you, audiobooks have really helped me start the day on an even keel. Lately, I just finished Ram Das Experiments in Truth, and I moved on to Alan Watts. But just like the first hour or so of my day, I'll do chores and uh, listen to somebody smarter than me put stuff better than I can. <laughs> and that seems to help. That melty place... It's great, and yet here we are. Hmm. I sort of think that's the that's the Jesus story, anyway. It's um, yeah, you're the you're the Trinity. The Trinity doesn't mean that you're not the Son, and it doesn't mean that you're not the Father. It doesn't mean that you're you're the whole thing. The Trinity is the whole thing, but it's also not not the one, right? Mm-hmm. You are the one that you happen to be. <laughs> so so like. Okay. Realizing that you're God, let's just say we're God. We're all the we're all the thing. Okay. Sure. Realizing that your God is not empowering, because if you just actually are God, God does not need to be empowered. Like God, if you're God, then you just are God being you. Sure. Right. Like you, in fact, are God being you, and I think that's what the love of the Father is. The God, it's going. I'm being all these different forms. I'm being all these forms. Some are suffering, some are succeeding, some are doing all these things. But I, the big one thing, am being all these other little things. And that has certain repercussions. God coming into form has certain repercussions. Being in time has certain repercussions, mainly suffering and death. Mm-hmm. So, so that like Christ dies for 
the Father, not to, not for us, not for humans, he, that we're all Christ's dying deaths for God so God can live in time because it's fun somehow. Yeah. And that the love that you have, the big compassion in the mushroom place is something like, dude, you're doing good. Like, you're really, you, you try, like, yeah. like you, you're kind to your girlfriend, like, you tip well, like, you're good, you're trying. And, you're doing and, it. And you being fucked up doesn't threaten me because I'm God. I don't need you to not be you yeah. for me to love you or something. Does that make sense? I think it does. I feel like it's, it's, you know, that you, you, no matter how many times you get that answer back, it's still, the question keeps occurring to you. Where like, I'll go into every single mushroom trip or something with this palpable, like, what should I be doing differently? And the, the, the place is like nothing. Yeah, it's the answer is what you were doing. Like yeah, I, your, your karma is your dharma. Right. The path to enlightenment is the one that is right in front of you, and all you have to do is not get so fucking whatever, like caught up in it, you know. But also, you're the one saying that. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. like Man, you it, cannot actually blot out the sun with your thumb, even though it looks like it to you. Right. You'll get a sunburned arm if you try too long. Like the sun's not threatened by your thumb. Right. Right. And and so that's sort of the just don't. That's you talking to you. Like, I don't think the I think when you realize that union with the big is the love that rushes in is a love that includes even the you not incorporating the love. Yeah. The vision includes you not incorporating the vision. It goes, yeah, you're a fucking monkey descendant with a brain. Like, what do you? <laughs> your hope is to what exactly? Like, yeah. no, just what is it you're looking for? And I think that's why a certain kind of animistic approach to domestic goings on is is a really holy approach in a way because when I flee from the dirty dishes because I don't want to be in the present moment, well, well, they're God too. Mm-hmm. I'm fleeing. All these moments when I'm fleeing from the present moment and I'm not treating people, animals, or objects in my vicinity with love and patience, that's disrespectful to the whole thing, kind of. Mm-hmm. It, it can be. Do you know what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is like to find <laughs> it's not me it's not incorporating, it's just acknowledging and then like treating as holy those things that are like just present. Mm-hmm. With no halo around them, bring your own halo. Bring your own halo. I mean, I, I definitely have found. Did that make sense? Can you can you tell me back what I just said? Because because uh, or 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 sum it up somehow. Uh what does the word animistic mean? Oh, that um, like animism is thinking things that we don't usually think of as being endowed with spirits are endowed with spirits. So treating everything, yeah. Uh, I I absolutely put me in mind. Like I said, it's it's half like I'll sort of let Ramdas or Alan Watts in the mornings lately, like try to get my mind to this place. Mm-hmm. But then it's the actual getting out of bed and this this sort of mindful thing where I'll, I'll tidy my room and then I'll go do the dishes from yesterday, and then scoop the litter box and sweep the floor, and just spending like an hour doing that, like whatever needs to be done every morning. Yeah. Um, really takes me to this. I don't know. We, my my partner and I, Mary, we we barely ever finish leftovers. We're both like always running around doing whatever, and 
very like, well, let's order something else, you know, wasteful idiots. So we have this compost pile that I walk to every morning. And just like, it's kind of fascinating to watch the different rates of decay of like banana peels versus coffee grounds. There's probably things I'm putting in there that I shouldn't be putting in there. But being a novice at it and doing it on a daily basis has become this almost weird sort of quasi-spiritual thing. You know, I'm out there in the sunlight just like inspecting the natural like process of, of going back to the earth. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's what you're getting at. I don't know if I put it in the same terms that you did. But that's, but that's, and, 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 I, and I feel like that. Is, no, I mean, that's right. It's you'd live your life. Well, and then like, I read a lot of Thich Nhat Hanh, who's big on like mindfully doing the dishes and he has all these little things to like, like sayings and rhymes to like, to help you to do that. But I, I do gravitate toward all these like sort of spiritual and the mundane examples to go to like contrast the like big life story that my mind's always trying to, to cling to. Because it should just be in the being, right? The the God place. It's being in the moment. It's it's everywhere. It's Yeah. You can tap into it whenever you want. Yeah, but, but you're we're getting to the place where you have to shut up. <laughs> Not right. you, but I mean we're getting to the place where like where yeah. where where Zen becomes the the paradigm that works best for me because prepositions start failing tap into or like we start you can hear our metaphors failing us here yeah you don't tap into anything it's just it just is what it is right like the ceramic plates you bought at target are in fact weird mystical things that are held together with who knows what i don't understand any of this stuff it's weird yeah why do these little nodes hang together in certain configurations and reflect light that's really weird like there's it's all weird and beautiful and it's all an ongoing thing. We can lose our tools in their toolishnessness or the in, in their functional relationships to us, which they have we have to get lost to some degree, but but yeah, you the unity is if it's a unity then it just is a unity. So then there's nothing that's not it. Yeah. And then you might ask, well, why is that important? And if nothing's not it, well, it's not important. <laughs> That's the Zen place. It's like, I can't say what it is. Importance is a thing that measures relative somethingness within a paradigm. Importance, it's always important to some other thing. Importance is always important to some outcome, mm -hmm. to some other stuff. But what we're talking about is the big thing that allows for importance to exist at all. Yeah. So that's it's really hard for us to deal with things that aren't important or meaningful or something. That's why it's hard to say and it's uh but I don't know. I'm always, I'm always running away. I'm always running away from like the moment. I'm always running away from st I'm always avoiding. I don't want, I don't want to do stuff. <laughs> I don't want to do the this. I don't want to do the that. I'm like a stupid pleasure monster that just wants to curl up and look at his phone. Yeah. And feel how I'm feeling. I don't know. It's like there's a lot of self-loathing in there. And there's a lot of... um. 
I don't know what to make of it. It's a puzzle. It's a puzzle because. Uh, yeah, it's been tough. I feel like it's been tough for me because I get older and I, I feel like I've made some progress on like self-loathing in a certain knee-jerk sort of like, oh, I'm the worst. You know, like, I I still feel like I do a lot of anesthetizing myself with like weed or like streaming stuff late at mm-hmm. night or whatever. And it's just to avoid feeling, not to avoid like hating myself or feeling depressed even necessarily, but it's just to just to shy away from like I don't know, the intensity of everything. Yeah. Yeah. When you say it, then I can see I it's easier for me to validate your experience in, in those matters because well, what do you stream? What did you stream last night? Ugh, you're putting me on the spot. What did I stream last night? Well, I've been rewatching all the Bond movies. Well, that's cool. That's crazy. That's the, weird, and it's it exists. And streaming is weird. Streaming is yeah. this like really cool. Uh, even though we think about it in the ways that we use it pathologically, if you just look at it from how much is available mm-hmm. and how cheesy and corny those movies are, and you are entertained watching them. Yeah, very that much. There's that even in the most debased, idiotic, numbing stuff. From one perspective, it's just part of the big miracle that there you are, and weed is crazy. That's awesome. Like being stoned is cool and enjoyable, and it's pretty great. It, you know, in Matthew, Jesus says, "Like pray in your closet, like pray in private. Don't go out in the streets like the hypocrites do. They have their reward." He keeps saying, "Like when you fast, don't go around being like I'm so hungry. Don't try to look hungry. Just fast and be hungry." Yeah. Because if you pretend to be hungry, he says, they have their reward. And one way of hearing that is that their reward is lacking, that it's less good than the person who prays in private. And that might be. But there's another way of looking at it that, like, if it's all holy, their the hypocrite's reward is pretty cool, too. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> that the attention of others and, and uh, it might seem less good psychodynamically and it, and it probably is from some perspective but but they do have some reward like yeah you you numbed out you got high and you watched uh lodge 49 for the eighth time sure but great example but you have your reward and those rewards are not without beauty and they traveled here to like the photons coming off the tv like it's all at, yeah. at that level you're partaking in a wild adventure with i love the uh the prussian harmonics of rewatching stuff you know, like it's the the last Daniel Craig Bond movie just came out in theaters. So I went back to the first one, which like my college buddy and I saw the thing a million times. Mm-hmm. We thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And now it's fun to be this version of myself and be like, <laughs> like, why is James Bond so bored all the time? Mm-hmm. He lives such a cool life and he's just like, whatever. Right. So something's <laughs> happening, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're numbing out, but then some other thing's happening. Mm-hmm. And if you were doing something that you considered not numbing out, if you were working charity or doing something some part of you would be like daydreaming about some other thing yeah it's it's you see what i'm saying like there, we we often have a mixed bag often our moment to moment experience is is like marbled and, and and speckled with with good and bad and things that we consider noble and less noble and sure yeah i feel like yeah and so the faith to some degree, what faith says is, this is probably fine. <laughs> and I know that's, I, I don't mean that in every situation. I'm not trying to be like a passive, just passive about every problem. 
but we're not talking about those kinds of big things that are just wrong. Right. But even the things that are really wrong, there's some value in going. I think we're going somewhere. I think maybe we're we're learning something. Maybe we're there's a way to neutrify the even the stuff that seems the worst. Yeah, I mean, well, and I definitely a big thing for me is a very like another Proustian like interacting with my past ways of numbing myself. And like binging is the bottom of it. You know, it's not very harmful to me or anybody else. I like drinking or I guess that's the only really thing I regret doing all the time for a while. But yeah, I think it can be tough because just um, the way we have of like catching up with other people is just very in time and with this sense of like wasting time versus whatever mm-hmm. the alternative would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the um the just basic like general I think you called it the operating system last week is is based on like achievement versus pleasure, you know, right? And if you're not like being productive or like as relaxed and zen as you can be, you're just failing at at, at being a human somehow. That's true. What if the operating system just runs at, at a deeper level on commonality? Like it has to run on commonality. It has to it has to take common factors into account. It has sure. to somehow um, accommodate, balance, deal with the things that we have that are common. But to do that is, if it doesn't deal with the things that are common, then it's not operating system. Right. So. But once you do that, then you're measuring, right? You to, to do that is to measure, is to make measurement the quintessential factor. You know, well, what'd you do over the weekend? And what, like, these yeah. things that are really yeah. benign, if you think about them, they are benign, but also that's when measurements start coming out. But there's also, there's, there's a kind of hidden universe of, of unknown crypto measurements that yeah. there's no name for, like weird horizon slices of of tree and rooftops and uh satellite dishes on roofs and you know just the where the western sky meets the the south sky in this weird way that there's no measurement you can't say it's it's not a panorama it's not a sky it's not a maybe it's a landscape but that's kind of too vague and i think a lot of our lives are lived in these liminal non measurable places or experiences or something but but you can't it, they're very hard to enter into right the system where anyone like words at all it and that's what i think poetry tries to do it tries to use words as a medium of that that can vibrate in a way where you feel the thing even though you're using words the whole point is i think is to get them to rub together in a way where the vibration vibrates you in a way that it's not in the words it's in between you and the words you read walt whitman and you I don't know, like, love just started pouring out of my eyeballs. I it was, yeah. I remember I did I did, because uh, in April or May or something we talked about song of the self, song of of myself, mm-hmm. and uh, I I picked up a copy of it at half price and went home to see how long I could read it without getting emotional. Yeah, didn't make it too far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, that was a test that we were going to use as our as our new club. That like, oh yeah, yeah. You, you had to try to read "Song of Myself" out loud and just see how long you go before you wept. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh. it, it, it it must open things. It, I, I got to read more poetry. Hell yeah. Yeah, poetry it, it's hard for me. I don't. A lot of times, my brain locks my heart out. Really, I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> it's it's not. Um, It's often very lyrical, and then I my my thinking brain tries to figure out what it means. And, uh, That's part of the fun. I mean, yeah. But you just mean it doesn't get you to that place all the time. Rarely, I'm I'm just I I don't do poetry very good. Huh. Interesting. See, but but these conversations are good, right? Because like this conversation is a psychedelic. That's what it is. Is like just remembering that. Right, the operating system does this. Yeah. But what I struggle with is that there's, when these visions come, when you bring them back, they can often come out sounding like you're really mad at the culture. Because <laughs> you're trying to name a thing, but like it's not like I'm, the American culture is, no, it's, that's not the angle. The angle isn't the moralizing or, it's, it's more like, There's only so much that can be done by a system that can be used to make meaning by uh, millions of people. Yeah. There's only so much, and it does quite a lot, actually. It can do quite a lot. But I think a lot of the dysfunction and a lot of the alienation comes from not fully appreciating where that system stops being operative or nourishing. When does language stop being nourishing and, and useful? When does ideology stop being useful and nourishing? When does right. like, in a, it, 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 when you're being sucked into your phone, where everything has to be wordified, basically, right? That gives it so much more weight. Then you live in yeah. words, and it, it makes perfect sense why microaggressions became such a big deal when they did, because people were becoming flayed into language at at those moments. Like, what words you use actually do become existential threats when we're made of words, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I think it does. Well, and, and there's this degree to which sort of like language or the operating system carries this inherent sort of like, you know, like achievement-based hierarchy or like, oh, I wasted my whole weekend, sort of like quality judgment of time because mm -hmm. we're all stuck in time. We have to relate to each other that way. I'll come back from like, spiritual experiences or, or the mushroom trip or whatever it is and realize there's there's a there's a value in utilizing your self-conscious to constantly like sort of equivocate and like reframe things which is something that i think mushrooms specifically help with or like just being like very self-conscious because people are like how are you doing and i'd be like well i wasted my whole weekend binging like james bond movies but on the other hand i had a lot of fun thoughts about those movies in my past self and you know, so there's value in the, like doing that once, right? On the other hand, I didn't waste time. I watched a shit ton of stuff. I had fun. But you can keep going and be like, Ugh, but I could have done more. I guess what I'm getting at is like equivocating is helpful because you can sort of think of things from more angles and like step outside of yourself. But there's immediate diminishing returns, if that makes sense. 
and it language only gets you so far is the is the bigger thing especially when we're getting it like this sort of zen being paradoxical stuff where words fail you entirely yeah and i i sort of think that's what a lot of the the spiritual challenge and you find in a lot of religions are what you're talking about is that diminishing return is that kind of like yeah that drop off well and and the tension between how useful it is internally and how pat it feels to try to like explain to somebody else or like help them like three four weeks ago uh the the show my my show sure thing only had like 20 people because like acl was happening and you know the restrictions are still covid whatever so it was like half full and maybe it filled up a little more, but like just Brendan got there early and he texted me like, oh, it's only this many tickets sold. And I was like, well, eh, it's still pretty fun, <laughs> like in my brain. And like we'd already done this for two hours and like talked all these thoughts. And I just went in with this ability to be like, this yeah. is still fun. There's, there are like 25 people here laughing at the things we say. Whereas, you know, like he'd had a long day at work and he had more trouble getting there. And I found myself like wanting to try to explain like, well, just reframe it differently in your head. And like, you can't just say that to somebody when they're in a bad mood, you know? No, but there's something like if you just maybe stand in that paradigm that you were in already, then you create oxygen for him. Maybe if you, if, if he can get there. Yeah. I, I like to think so. And we, and we, you know, I'm I'm sure like it wouldn't have helped if I were also like super aggravated about it. But I just mean in the, in the larger sense with a lot of the sort of territory we're talking about, there's a tension I find between like how much I want to share it with people, and then like case by case how it actually sounds when you try. What is there to share? Like, what are you trying to share? Um, I don't know, like a, a, a sort of refined tendency to react differently to your circumstances and be less bummed out by them. Is that good enough? I mean, <laughs> yeah, is that yeah, a good yeah. enough thing to share? It's like, I, to me, that feels like part of the suite of features that that are, are worthy of sharing. Like, it seems like part of the gospel, but... That doesn't seem like it, actually. That's mm. not the thing that vibrates, right? Exactly. Like, it is a different frequency. It does allow you to to be yeah. more fluid in, in more circumstances. But it's not just a kind of cognitive, stoic reframe. You know, there, there's a lot of... Yeah. Go on the stoic subreddit. I'm sure there is one. Sure. I find... I like the stoics. But I find a lot of people that try to use the stoics, to me, it sounds like... Like having a sex coach trying to tell you like how to make love to your wife or something. It's just like, <laughs> just uh, like no, this is not amenable to that kind of 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 rational engagement. Actually, right? You know, it's it's it to me. It seems like from the Stoics that what's missing often is the component of love of that opens when you read a Rumi or you read. Uh, the book of John. Yeah, you this, read the Beatitudes. The Stoics can come across kind of cold. Kind of Stoic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also, like, it doesn't help that one of the most famous Stoics is the Emperor of Rome. Well, he's a just, good one. He's a good I'm, Like, I'm just saying, it's a little weird. 
hey, if your wife dies, just don't get too bummed out, all right? Peace. <laughs> Epictetus. Remember, Marcus Aurelius says, I rise for the work of man. Well, he would say that. He was the emperor of Rome. Wait, why, how did we get here? Oh, that you were saying it's hard to share. Yeah. And, and this comes well, back to the, to the maybe the, the um, corporate approach of yeah. you're wanting to nuggetify the chicken. Yeah. Because I feel like the the my impulse to share it is like itself an attachment to the to the positive side, you know, to happiness or whatever. Where I'm, I'm just I become I'm identifying with that. Like, oh, I have this skill that I think other people need to learn, and I want to nuggetify it and like be one of these like crazy Instagram accounts that you're talking about. Right, and I th- I think that's kind of that's the they have their reward part, the. Pray in private and not in public because mm-hmm. people who pray in public, they have the reward. Yeah. And you don't even have to be a hypocrite to get other rewards. It's just like you want to be effective. <laughs> you yep. want uh, this to be a transferable, reusable tool. Well, that would be a reward. Yeah. So then what's the – is there a real reward? I guess that's that's the question between the secular and the religious. Is there something deeper to share that you don't have to – it doesn't have to be nuggetifiable for it to be shareable or or nourishing. Um, but a lot of people don't think there's anything else that, you know, if we can just have better habits, if we could have a better approach, if we could communicate it more clearly, then that's as good as we can do. I mean, it feels like something. Well, and it comes from a genuine place. It's not like... I look at strangers on the street and be like, I should cheer them up or like help them reframe their lives. Just when people I see that I care about are in a bad mood, I want to give like some sort of rundown of my ability to be in a changeable mood at all times. But, but yeah, language breaks down ultimately. But when the deeper thing speaks with words, then the words are the deeper thing. It's not that it's not that silence is ipso facto sacred and words are ipso facto noisy hmm. and anti spirit. Uh like there's times when you speak where there's n- there's nothing like it's saying exactly what language can say or it's doing what it can do. It's conveying, it's vibrating with with whatever you're vibrating with it's working it's connecting yeah then there's other times when you just you get to the podcast or you get up on stage and and you go and it's just words the joke that when you tell it when you're in the right mood with the blood sugar right and it comes out mm-hmm. and you feel it and and you can feel that they feel it and the audience isn't just laughing but they're smiling which is like really good because they're you're, they're connecting in this way the words are more than words it's meaning you're speaking the meaning from something next to your solar plexus you can feel it mm-hmm feels good and then other times you're just Oof. opening for someone and the words come out cold other times i feel like a fucking player piano up there yeah yeah and then yeah and then you like even and then even when it like you can see that hitting with the crowd you're like i'm amazed that they understood that yeah totally even because i guess what i'm saying is even the limitations of language uh have limits <laughs> yeah <laughs> we, we can't know it's it's too easy to think in a binary way where you go like 
language does this. It's like language is lots of things. Yeah. Lang- words do lots of things. Uh, and that's why I think it's maybe interesting to think more in terms of like operating systems and then language. Like a big operating system that can make meaning between millions and billions of people and sets of norms that are often use language to communicate but aren't fundamentally linguistic, right? They're, they're, yeah. They're culture, they're patterns, they're, I don't know, Attitudes. syntax. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, idioms, whatever. But I mean, I mean, you've you know you've been sort of working on some writing or like transcribing your own yeah thoughts and like, are you do you find yourself concerned with this tension? Yeah, the 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 thing itself is <laughs> yeah, it is a report. It is me going. Is this fucking dumb? Like <laughs> like I'm transcribing. Yeah. Like when I transcribe this and it's it, it, guilt about it and there's a real guilt with words for me and yeah, getting stuck in them. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's something that uh, if nothing else, I'm grateful to this podcast for like forcing me to muscle through this because stand up spoils you so hard on the, the this constant biofeedback, this constant like, oh, this is connecting yeah. with people or oh I'm onto something here. Like my favorite thing at a like at a mic when you just like the joke's not done, but you can see the premise like hits people. Mm-hmm. They're like, Oh yeah. I'm like, Yes, I can't wait to write the rest. Right. Uh so you don't even have to have a full thought. You can just sort of like go up there and stumble around and refine your ability to listen for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll get better at that in the podcast sense, but like in writing or in working on music and stuff, it's just so hard at first with a, with a different format to be like, here we go. (laughs) I'm just going to have faith in my own ears that I'm getting closer to it. That's really hard. Yeah. I have a lot more faith than other people. And there's there's tension in that because reading all these self helpy things on Instagram, it's always like, who cares what other people think? Believe in yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, how? I don't understand. Like, why do why I, I keep reading things over and over and over and over and over again? Just care what you think and don't don't put too much into what other people think and. To me, but if you write a song and everyone hates it, yeah, <laughs> maybe you're just wrong about the fucking song. Maybe, maybe it's bad and you should practice more. I don't. I, I'm not saying that there aren't iconoclasts who come along and like are wrong and wrong and wrong, but then they're right. Their wrongness ends up being right. But as just as a like abstract idea in a vacuum I don't know if it's much of a virtue to just I think the problem is when you know when you do know you know and you know that like not only do you know your opinion about the song you know 
about your taste in music because you've been around other people whose taste that you respect. Yeah. And you have agreed about things. And you've also done stand up, which is like not music, but it, it also tells you about your taste that when you say things, people laugh. Yeah. And when you've done these other things, you've written articles, you've gotten compliments about how thorough and how your taste, like you know, you know that you're probably right. But somehow the little creepy doubt is enough to then make you seek out the approval. And, and, that's the problem, I think, when you know, but you're so used to not knowing. You've practiced not knowing for so long. Yeah. That then you're just like, well, doubt's easier because I'm more comfortable with it. Yeah. And I think that's where I get caught up a lot is just knowing and then going, I know, right? Do I? <laughs> yeah. Do I? Like, am I right that this is? Yeah. Well, and and like this sort of this sort of like. Well, who cares what other people think? Like, like, like reductive way of of looking at it. I feel like that's why we get caught up in like measuring our like objective output sometimes. Because like, I don't know. Like, now that we've talked about it this long, I'm really proud of some of the things I've done. You know, the way people responded to the little bit of music that I put out there. Or like the the certain bits I've really connected with people, and if I died, I don't know, I'd be relatively proud of 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 having that out there. It just troubles me that much of it won't last because it was all live performances and yeah, and there's not much left behind. Um, so that's something I want to work on. But like, but like, yeah, this idea of like these though they were real people, right? All of this is achieved by caring what people think. Pretty much constantly. <laughs> yeah. So like, there's a virtue in like, you know, like don't <laughs> don't read the comments on the internet and like worry about people you don't know. Stand up is a really great because it, it's so visceral and it's so yeah, it's so vibes. You know, like it's all vibes and stand up is especially all vibes because it's like you put something out and then if it succeeds, then you get this blast back boom yeah from one point of view it's this ego sopping thing that you're like i'm so the caring what they think portion is is wow i'm really funny i feel good about myself because i'm making them laugh Mm -hmm. but but there's got to be a deep pure care about how they feel like why you feel good about yourself yeah. is because you've yeah. made them feel something that made their body expel gas against their own uh, like volition. They just it just spit out of them. Yeah, like you changed their body in some meaningful way, and there must be something where you can connect deeply with how others feel and want them to feel, without that being the same thing as them caring you caring so much about how they see you yeah what yeah, they yeah. think about you because how they feel is something that you feel in the moment but what they think about you and and how that informs how you think about yourself going forward is a trinket that you're trying to like stow away and keep and then pull out later when you feel not so good so you can remember who you are and we have to do that we have to do the memento thing to some degree but yeah but the 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 hard part is letting it go. Like you crushed, you killed, you felt it, and you, 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 you know, you were killing, and you saw on the face of the people in the front row that they could tell that you were killing it, and it's this thing, and it, yeah, letting that go, 
just leaving it where it was. It's really fucking hard. And it's so hard. I always try to cash it in for a, for a big stuffed animal. I always try. <laughs> it's like they're all tickets from the ski ball machine. Yeah, it's it's really it's such a thrilling feeling to be like present with that many people at once, and to just have this sense of like a few weeks ago an Amber Alert happened during the show when I was talking about. I have a sad bit about my runaway cat, mm-hmm. and I was the, there's literally a part where I'm like, just like loss is a part of life, folks. You know, like you got that's what pets are about. And somebody's phone went, and I was like, see, sometimes people steal your children, and it was so like, like in flow of the way I was talking yeah. that people were just ah, oh, they applauded, and I was like, oh, could that happen every time? I can't recreate that. But in the larger sense, yeah, I feel like it's like you have to let go of that sense of like their approval of you. Because if you get caught up in that, you're not going to like really pay attention to what you're saying. Well, so I, th- I think this is where like the negative finds the negative. Like the, like you shouldn't try to care what they, like the, the negative thing is think caring what people think of you. Right. So then we hone in on that and say, don't do that. And, and to me, that's the fallen way of looking at it. I think that the 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 resurrected way of looking at it is, wow, look at how profound it is that I like a thought in my brain changed how a hundred people felt in their bodies. There it is, yeah. And that's the thing that I can't capture because it was real. It was in fact real. Mm-hmm. My 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 voice went through a microphone. My the the joke came through my experience, through my suffering, through my confusion. It came out of my mouth through a microphone, and then it it changed people's biochemistry, which changed how the molecules in the air were were rattling around. Like it happened. It was real. It was real. It was so real that it's like it's carbon copy. It's <laughs> any anything you could buy from the gift shop of that moment is not gonna quite do it. Oh yeah. No. But but to the degree that we keep trying to like have a collection of things that we bought from the gift shops of our best moments, then we end up kind of locked out of the place where those things happen, which is here. (laughs) The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yeah. And so it's, it's so then you don't even have to not do what you do. It's almost just like, Oh wow, that's really profound. And that's amazing. It did happen. It was real. It's good. Like it's good at some level. But but it's not that necessarily that keeping souvenirs from from these moments is somehow like so bad and caring what people think about you is so bad. But if you get stuck there, then you lose the actual thing that's happening. The actual Yeah. Beautiful unfolding of the whatever. What's like, does that make sense? It's not that like, cause it's so easy to frame it as like, Oh, it's about not doing this. It's about not caring so much about this, or it's about not this, this, this. Um, but I think when you try to knot something, you end up tied in knots kind of, because there's always some weird counterexample. Right. Well, and, and that's, and that's where it's like, that's, that's just a phrase that sticks in my craw is like, you do. Uh, you need to accept that you don't have control over the way other people perceive you and react to you necessarily. But it's not wrong to care about the effect you have on other people. Yeah. 
you know? It's especially not wrong to put a little care into the things you say into a microphone that are then amplified to dozens of people at the same time. And if a, if a bunch of people think that you're an asshole, it might be because you're being an asshole and you're not seeing it. <laughs> right. So concern in other people's, like, the way they see you is, you see, there's just too many different things that we put under one banner of, like, caring what people think. Right. Because from one point of view, that can mean that you only care about what people think, that you create your tapestry of self and reality only from the reactions of others, mm -hmm. which I think is probably somewhat pathological. But then there's also something that looks a kind of like that, but it it's just rib meat, right? It's like caring about what other people think because you're actually an empathetic person. And yeah. You don't want to hurt other people's feelings and you know that you have blind spots, and if you know that you have blind spots, then you do have to rely to some degree on a network of eyeballs and earballs. Yeah, you have to live in the world. Yeah. Well, I find it's just it's just something about this whole like Instagram culture where it's like you boil it down to a phrase like that. It just doesn't seem to get at anything. Like the people that, that are like, I don't care what anyone thinks of me. I'm like, well, you probably don't respond well to criticism. Nonetheless. Right. Seems like you're protesting a little too much. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially comedians. Not to get into that. I guess the question is like, how can we? It's like if you stay at this, at, at, if you stay at one perspective. Let me let me think. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to think. He's gonna because the words were coming out in a way that I was like, if I try to follow him, I was gonna end up somewhere weird and bad. It was. He was going to drive into a ditch. Those words are just bouncing around like a <laughs> Super Bowl. I, do, I, I hate that feeling when you know you started the sentence wrong, but in a non-friend context, you're like, ugh, I'm committed to the mm -hmm. way I began this thought. I'm fucked. Yeah, I'm going to land somewhere real weird. Yeah. So what's what's the bigger question here? It's about the foundation. It's about the f about foundational goodness. Hmm. About that being in the world but not of the world. Being born again. Being born from above. And, and it's so funny that born again Christians call themselves born again Christians because th that's only said once in the whole Bible. Yeah. And it's in the book of John. And he says, you must be born again when he's talking to, uh, I always forget his name. He's talking to the one of the Pharisees who comes at night because okay. he, he loves Jesus, but he doesn't want anyone to know, so he comes at night. And then Jesus says, "Well, you must, uh, you know, you must be born from above." He says, but in Greek, that above also has a, a meaning of again. Sure. So the point is that's there, there's a joke there. So they were almost born from above Christians. Well, that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, that's what <laughs> yeah. it's it's, but. I think it's pretty clear that Jesus probably meant born from above. And then everyone gets everything wrong in the book of John. Everyone's like, but how can he be born again? How could a grown man enter into his mother's womb? <laughs> uh, the book of John, we need to do a deep dive on it. We do. At some point in the future, because it is very funny. And good. And good. And well written. Right. That was just, you know, that was, we, we, you sort of like pointed out to me a lot of the like funny parts of it a while ago. And ever since I'm like, God damn, how much humor has been in the Bible this whole time? Don't know, but that one. Yeah. 
or in a lot of things that I probably like in I don't really engage with because they're too like holy or or straightforwardly scripture like in a way that I resisted in my atheist college years. But if you're if you're just born of the flesh, right? You're just you're just born of the culture. You're just born of the operating system. Mm-hmm. Then you're a Mario going across the screen from the left to the right, jumping over uh, turtles and doing what you do, sure. getting coins. It, it's a kind of progress. It is a kind of progress. But if you if you stay at that level, there's a way in which you could you can put your the spiritual thing, the bigger thing, the other thing that's happening, or the thing that's happening. You can translate it into those terms and often you end up with negative dictates of don't don't care what people think don't lust don't drink mm-hmm. don't 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 do these things yeah um and in those don'ts you you lose kind of the redemption you you lose that it's all redeemed and it's all good you lose that foundational something right yeah that if you left and you f- you felt really good about the set, and then you're like, "I'm pretty good." I'm pretty sure a second later you'd think like, "Oh, that's not good to think that." <laughs> like I'm I'm thinking too highly of myself. Sure, yeah. I shouldn't lean so heavily on the. But, but if all you're thinking about is leaning on, well, who's leaning on? Mm-hmm. The self you're trying to construct is leaning on, but the self that you actually are was just on stage making the the air rumble. Yeah. Right, and so if you're you're trying to do the good thing. You don't already assume a kind of perfection. You don't already assume a kind of integratedness. Then you can get, you can completely miss the big rumbling that's actually happening. You're like, okay, well, how does this lead to the next thing or something? How does this, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever? Or how do I be a more something person, right? How do I be a more humble person who doesn't care about what people think? Right, right. Like, well, you already are a person who makes the air rumble. I mean, you're a fucking Norse god. What else do you want? <laughs> what do you need? But it, it's, do you know what I'm saying? Kind of. Like, how many nights do you do that and you don't even clock it and you 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 don't necessarily. You you ended on a sour note. You 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 got the light at a time when you didn't quite want it, and then you did yeah. a joke that didn't quite land, and then yeah, you, yeah. you leave and you're just like, oh, you 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 feel the the ambivalence of that last half laugh that you got from the audience uh you know quite a bit less than i used to or and it's definitely something i love watching in other comics their inability to take even a basic compliment less from other comics than when they're like a crowd member comes up and they're like great job and the, you can see it on their face they're like i didn't do a great job i can't deal with this right now right but i'm like that just you have to be both you know obviously you're gonna have this internal like Ugh, I fucked this part up, and I forgot this new thing, and oh, I don't feel I felt like the player piano this time, and I wasn't really like saying the the things, but you know, people still heard the words, and you made the air rumble. So you gotta, you, you kind of have to live with both. You see, it it gets hard to say whatever I'm trying to say. Yeah. But this is our podcast, so I'll keep trying to say it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll give it one more shot.
like that me explaining your pain and suffering and confusion became a joke, became a bit, <laughs> became a, 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 a sound going through a microphone, became an electrical impulse going through wiring, coming out of speakers, going into eardrums, becoming electrical impulse, connecting to other people's experiences, and sure. then like convulsing them in a way that feels very pleasurable and then like expelling a, a blast of air into the air collectively. Like that's obviously, that, that's not an exotic uh explanation that it's not controversial anyway hmm. it's a weird way of looking at it maybe but like it's not controversial uh, is that pretty accurate that is how it works yeah like th- there's something holy about that there's something redeemed in that right and real and good absolutely and yet how many people have you seen kill and just they're locked out of it like they don't seem like grounded. They don't seem fed by it. They just seem like they're mad they didn't get Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> so how much in our life are we locked out of because we haven't assumed a priori some kind of goodness, some sort of integratedness, some sort of something that would have allowed us to open to those moments to actually imbibe them instead of if we're only Mario going across the screen then if it doesn't add up to some other thing, then it doesn't add up. And if you think that life is meant to add up, then you're going to end up confused and alienated from whatever you actually are. It's always, I should be adding up to something. We think, well, I add up to enough. We talk to ourselves, well, I add up to enough, or you add up to enough, you've done enough, you add up to enough. But what if the, the, the sort of, central flaw is just assuming that we add up to anything or that's basically what you're supposed to be doing and we try to stack all these things that happen yeah the problem is is deep down it's at the foundation of of language and this is definitely something that i feel like i have made the most progress in comedy specifically of not doing you know, because, you know, without my show still happening, I don't, I'd probably be going up as little as you are, or maybe I wouldn't even live here in town or something. But, like, just that idea that it's, it's back after the pandemic and it's, I've lost a couple of venues and the show keeps going. And, you know, like, I'm at this age of my life and I could still do a lot of things, but I don't think I'm going to, like, double down on stand-up and go after it with a fervor. So it's just a thing I enjoy doing. And, uh, you know, you'll always have the the authorly like, oh, this part of the set didn't go well. But when people come up after me, they're like, great job. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I had a lot of fun, you know. But, um, you know, in terms of my whole life, yeah, I'm, I don't add up to much. That's still my gut reaction of like. So. Yeah. I think we almost miss each other as a matter of course. Like that we miss each other as humans, not you and you and I specifically, but just people. And I, I, I don't know, like when you, when you can see it from that perspective, I don't know. It, it, it's like, I can't say it cause I don't want to say it because nope. it's too controversial. Like it's too, well, now you gotta say it. 
Well, I don't know. It's like the blood of Christ or like something, hmm. like some, like if you, it's like Jesus, if you, uh, to those who, who have more will be added and to those who have not, they will lose even what they have. It's so, sort of like, yeah. Well, it's, it's also, and I doing comedy for so long has helped me think about it in these terms specifically because like letting go of that sort of like inner criticism and like, you know, like comparing myself to other people and this, this hierarchical hedonistic treadmill of like, did I get the show or will I ever get Montreal? Like letting that stuff go makes it more fun for me. But like talking to other comics, it's often like you can't just, the sometimes those like specific benchmarks or the amount of like self-loathing they've got is just part of their like recipe they need to keep moving forward. Right. And the, there's only so much... Because when I moved down here to do comedy, I was just like, it rules. Why do we need to, you know? I remember after I was here, like, two, three years, this other Milwaukee comic came down to do, like, he did the Cold Town mic. He was only here on a Monday. And he, like, you know, it was, like, a half-quiet night at the mic, and he, like, sort of bombed. And he came off stage, and he was like, oh, this one, you know, like, oh, I just feel like this joke. And he was, like, really, like, dissecting the way that he bombed in a way that I was several years beyond at the open mic level, I was like, yeah, sometimes you bomb. Can we stop talking about this? Like, it's just part of being a comic. See, trying know? to use comedy as an example to connect with you is, is like a real yeah, sticky wicked. Because <laughs> <laughs> then it's like, we're just talking about comedy or something. Well, sure. But I mean, like, the just in terms of these larger themes, it wasn't something, I didn't say that to him. Because he needed to do it. You know what I mean? I just, like, recognized, I was like, oh, man, he's still... He still needs to be this harsh on himself to like keep moving through life. So I think what, what I'm up against is the radicality and simplicity of the, of the thing that I th- that I think I need to do, which is like just submit to God at some level. Mm-hmm. That you submit to the to the to the big thing. You recognize that the re- only relationship in your life is you and God, and that's it. You and the big thing that's happening. And that if you keep coming back to that, then you can see, you can experience those moments kind of more clearly because you see that it it's it's all connected. It, it all goes all the way back. Hmm. But we're almost isolated as a matter of course. We almost start off as like we we everything's the individual. Mm-hmm. It's all, how are you doing? And how is this doing? Like we get sold, not just what we're, it's not just what they're trying to sell individuals. It's that they're selling individuals. They're selling individualism, yeah. right? Every time they sell something to an individual on a commercial or on Instagram or somewhere, yeah. they're also reinforcing the individual as the primary measurement of sentient experience as this isolated thing to which things can be added and subtracted and <laughs> yeah. and altered. And then comedy is one of the most individualistic things you can go deal. So right. It's not a super helpful <laughs> analogy to keep coming back to. No, but it, I mean, but on, on the other hand, it's very helpful in the way that I think about things, but, but yeah, the only relationship is between you and God. You in the way, or like grace and faith. Like it, I always mm-hmm. come back to the boring words that I don't want to say, and that make me sound ways that I don't. I don't want to sound. Mm. Like I don't want to sound that way. Yeah. 
but I think it just might be the case for me anyway. For and you, for, for you on this podcast? No, I mean, like it just might be the case for for humans that that God is a technology that works. Hmm. And it might be a technology that works better than other technologies that we're currently using, like uh, phones or like uh, yeah. social media. That the tools that we're trying to use to climb to heaven is not as good as the grace of God and just submission to it. Submission to the correctness of everything, to the perfection of yourself, to the perfection of everything. It's also high flying, but it takes a kind of, I think... Not a changing of your mind, but like a changing of your life, a changing of your actual approach that you put God first and not yourself first, that you you pray in the morning, that you read whatever holy books turn you on. Mm-hmm. But now I'm off, I'm, I'm, I'm off, I'm off the ranch now. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm just ranting about religion. I mean, is, you know, is this something that. You want to incorporate into your your day more often, right. <laughs> dude? I can't. <laughs> what? His, his face was incredible there. Uh, yeah. Sorry, it's getting a little warm in here, but we need to figure this out. I think it's just to leave it on because it was. We don't need to. I can cut the spread out, but. Yeah, I think I think it's just a matter of uh, when you said a way that I don't want to sound. I feel like that is a lot of the issue. The psyched like the most intense psychedelic experiences I've had, whether on psychedelics or in cold immersion or in meditation. Mm-hmm. What is so profound about it is the grace that I missed somehow at the moment that what I thought was happening was failure. And when I look back, I see like, no, it was growth. It was like, it worked. It, it's perfect. It worked. And like how much grace I miss is almost like it goes through a colander and what's left (laughs) is what's left. Mm -hmm. The the Brussels sprouts are left. Whatever's left in the colander is left. It's great. I like Brussels. They're pretty good. They're good for you. But So how could that be that we're always or often missing not communing with the thing that's nourishing and good and instead we're going around going, I need to get better, 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 not good enough, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. <laughs> and then we come here and you and I fucking just we 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 talk about our not good enoughs. Yeah, we compare them like they're baseball cards. This not good enough. This not good enough. How do I get rid of this not good enough? But it's fucking amazing. It's all good. It's all really weird and good, and that's full of suffering and 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 like hate. And it's that's all included because hate is energy, and it's all vibes, man. But it's weird. The hate comes with love. Like that's an emotion, and like from some perspective, it's just all happening. And when when you're really tuned in. You can feel that, that you're blessed and that it's crazy that you exist at all. And in that, that I don't know if you can get from the specific not good enoughs and life hacks. I don't know if you can life hack your way out of that, that kind of mentality. Like 
the life hack is meant to deal with these little wrongnesses to bridge these little wrong things in your life. Yeah. And I'm not saying that life hacks can't be a part of like a, a, a good life that like this isn't quite working. I'm going to use this strategy, but I don't know if it's enough. I don't know if it's enough for me. Sure. But I don't know what to do with that. And, 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 and like a, when I'm just, everything's so secular and my friends are so secular and it is hard to discuss with other people. Cause I don't just go around. I don't, I don't proselytize, but like you and I are talking about problems. And if, 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 if something just seems like a non-starter or something or, or not deep enough, then God comes in and then I talk about God and then, I don't feel so good. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I feel like for me, it's, it's like this pastiche of these deeper spiritual experiences, be they creative or psychedelic or travel or whatever, whatever created the big thing that, that got me to this wordless God place. I feel very self-conscious trying to bring it back in any sort of way to other people, but I do. I, I gain a lot of solace in the everyday sort of banal life hack, small talk ways to express it wherever I can, which is why I enjoy um, comedy because I'm talking to people, but I've enjoyed jobs in retail and like customer support because they kind of force you to... Um, you were a server, yeah? Um, how, what did you do about the, how are you doing question? Cause every customer I would get at the bookstore would be like, how are you doing today? Right. And I don't want to just like be it, like, just say fine. Or like, you know, did you have like a go-to response? I guess is my I question. don't remember. I would always go with uh can't complain. Mm. Cause I found that to be the most like entertaining route of the branching small talk Right, you know, you get a lot of people like, "Who would listen?" Am I right? And I'm like, "Then we have a little fun with that or whatever." But the, it became this weird sort of mantra to me of like, "Yeah, I can't complain because I generally don't, so I'm not like lying to people because I'm not going to complain to some stranger I just met." Um, but the, you know, it's sort of a paradoxical like, obviously I could, so it's a silly thing yeah. to be saying. Um, and it put me in a better mood once I finally settled on that instead of like trying to tell them an an anecdote or actually just saying fine or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. We're not here to solve this question, I suppose. (laughs) But No, but I I, I don't even know if I'm communicating. Okay. Because, like, you said that there's this kind of uh, diminishing returns about the insights that you have about the general like relativity mm-hmm. of any one paradigm that that's powerful that the way Brendan was seeing the show versus the way you were seeing the show. Yeah. And that these things are often interchangeable that he could have taken on yours with maybe a little relaxing or a little effort or a little something. He could have seen it that way and then gotten his, his way into feeling in a different paradigm, which is like, Oh, it's cool that things exist at all. And that 20 people, that's a lot of brains actually. Like that's a lot of, sure experience sitting there and we can relate to that experience but that trying to explain that is kind of 
glibber than you want it to come out. Yeah, yeah. It's that, like I didn't even like say anything right, out loud. Right, right, right. Because I was just like, "There's no way." And and, and for me, because in like the more we've gotten into like self help stuff and a couple of different managerial roles professionally, there's so much that I would like want everyone else to know that I think could be helpful and actionable, but they just have to be in a actually receptive place to it, or it's going to come off. Uh, when I worked for Half Price Books, they would occasionally send down this like thing to read at the weekly meeting from like the corporate office, and it would be they literally had like Peter Drucker, like pre Dale Carnegie, like business self help guys, and like some of their like things that just are so out of place at eight in the morning for a bunch of people that make like thirteen bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm just, even if some of that would connect with me, like nobody wants to hear this right now. Come on, <laughs> you got to think about how you sound and. You're not always in control of that, and but these these things feel so big and have been so helpful to me that it's I always want to like bring them to other people or or try to sum them up in some meaningful way. Like I refuse to submit to what I know to be true, at my deepest sense. That's cynicism, and it's willfulness, and I think. That's kind of the question at the heart of a lot of experience is submission to some other thing that isn't you. Yeah. And we can have, we can life hack for us and we can do little mnemonics for, for I can do mnemonics for me and I could, I can do little life hacks for me and I could do me and they make my mood and they make my mood and my mood and my mood. And how's my mood in the morning is my mood in the morning. And I refuse to submit. I just refuse to submit even though I think that that's the issue. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the, it, that's, it's Buddha under the Bodhi tree, you know, the, the, the loss of the self, but the gaining of whatever else there is, the big relativistic thingamabobber that creates the thing that thinks that it's separate. It's the, the lest ye die, ye cannot be born again. Hmm. Um, if you give up your life, you'll gain it. But it like I, th- I think there's this submission to God that would then, of course, if it's real, if it's worth anything, then I'll serve others. Yeah, I'll, I'll help others, and I won't be so caught up in my own not good enoughs. Well, and I feel like there's an, an it's just this basic intractability of the self that we always have to fight against. Because to sort of really like let go and and submit yourself to these higher, to this this bigger thing, whatever you want to call it, God, or you sort of have to die, right? Yeah. It's like the death of the ego, and and to to probably to allow that to happen, we need to stop thinking of ourselves as failures. Well, I think it's the reverse. Maybe I think you submit. Yeah. And then whatever happens, happens. Like you submit and then um, you submit to the big rightness of stuff first, to the perfection of God first, which which is a little, it, it brings humility because you don't know. Yeah. You were created out of fucking stardust. That is in fact true. You were, the, the whole universe came from a dense little ball of who knows what the fuck it was. I don't know of plasma and then it exploded. I, it's whatever's happening is really, really, really crazy. 
and yet I doubt it every single second (laughs) that it's not happening right because I'm the one who's not doing it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm fairly certain that the, the, the span between these two ears, this part of the universe, is getting it wrong all the time. <laughs> right. But that is, like, the submission would be the submission. That seems as silly as being like, that pillow's getting it wrong. Yeah, it's a submission to an acknowledgement of, of my existence at the end of the spear of something that's happening instead of as this this perfectly closed off thing which makes no sense when you think about it it doesn't stand up to scrutiny for more than a minute right the, our sense of isolation um and so i i i don't want to face that thing because submitting to god has all these connotations that i don't like the people that say that stuff put god first and they're not my people necessarily right yeah in a kind of cultural friend chemistry kind of way yeah anytime you say it it sounds like you're praying in the street as you put it i don't know i know every week when we show up here we sort of exchange our shoulds that we didn't do but then i feel better after we record No, it's it's no, it's good because it's part of the. I mean, that's again the that's the whole waveform thing. Is like we started off with that, but now we're here, and I don't know if this is any better for you than it was an hour ago talking about I should vacuum more or whatever it was. I think so. Like my point about the diminishing returns is, I think the diminishing returns comes from what's called for at that point is like some deeper thing when you see beyond the the limiting nature of our own myths then what what's what you're called upon to do takes courage and boldness not just um application of the 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 insight yeah yeah, yeah the not... application of the insight does have diminishing returns because you're trying to apply it to the very thing that you saw was relative which is like your our general sense of existence within the operating system yeah yeah yeah. so it's worth is the worth within the world that was the very insight that you had was (laughs) that that thing was wildly fungible relative and maybe tenuous and not the not the full story and so the thing i want to submit to is like the closest i can get to the full story for an hour every morning or whatever it is what's the fuller story that's not just my narrow story it's like it doesn't have to be god it could be the lack of god it could be you know what i'm saying like your fundamental sense of nature mm-hmm. whatever that is yeah beyond your own skull but including it but it's it's the, it's there's something childish there's something infant like in my hugging the coastline of my own biography like, yeah. like I lack courage because I know what to, like the knowing's there. It really feels like when you get a glimpse of it that the, the self really, or myself really digs in, you know, as, mm-hmm. as we talk about so frequently, like when it, when you just start to feel this like energy of it, you're like this, this, this idea of like, oh, you want to like contain it and grasp it and put it in some actionable way, mm-hmm. mostly for myself. And I tell myself maybe it would be for other people. Yeah. 
because that would be more selfless of a way to go about it. But, but it's really hard to let go of that like memento feeling of like I gotta write this down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I gotta. Yes. Uh. Just like yeah. So <laughs> I get I get downright frantic. I ate edibles too much. Yeah. And a lot was coming in that I wanted to write down, and and a voice just said, "Just let it rumble you." The rumble will carry through as much as whatever you write down. Just let the truth of it rumble inside of you. Yeah. It will be there in a week, two weeks. <sighs> Maybe not in your head, but it'll be there. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's what it is. You feel like you're going to lose it and never see it again or feel it again. I was really scared. I was at that point of like, is this weed or something? Like it, that <laughs> yeah. kind of... and. It, it occurred to me like, well, you don't overcome fear. That's the paradox is at the point where you could overcome fear. How do you overcome fear? It's a kind of slight opening to fear overcoming you. Hmm. They ultimately say, fuck it. I'll drown in fear. Then I'll drown in fear. Let fear overcome me because, because the thing that's trying to overcome the fear, its constitution is composed largely by its fear. <laughs> like the gravity of the ego self is largely of gravity of not fear in a, in a colloquial way, but in a kind of, I don't want to be dissipated and spread to the, yeah, like just the, I don't want to die fear, which yeah. is a sensible fear. Okay. It's sensible. But what can make these experiences powerful is that you say, fuck it. Okay. Like, fine. And then the fear overcomes you. And there's something in that, that like, it's not an act that you do. At the moment that you think that you have to do something, the humbling thing is that it's done to you, mm. is that you're ripped apart and there's no one left to do anything. And it's terrifying. It's like the deepest humbling that you could be humbled by. That is scary. And we don't like it and we don't want it, but I think it's kind of what's going on in this universe is that from dust we came into dust we will return. Like it is the case. And so if I live my life trying to burrow tunnels around these truths, then I'm going to create a lot of friction that's going to show up in my life as, as symptoms that I do not understand. Yeah. And that to look clear-eyed at the fucking monster daily and to like, like prostrate, 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 yeah, prostrate myself mm -hmm. to these whatever it is to the bigger unfolding thing that is scary and, and, and not understandable, hard to talk about, um, is maybe a way to stop being the mole tunneling where it feels comfortable, not waiting for the, the, the molecules and plants to do it for me, but like having seen that truth, committing to a life that's less, biographical and yeah. less um i don't like the word ego but it's like um fearfully linear fearfully yeah. less less narrative less yes less narrative concrete right. yeah but it's not like there's a specific part of you that's just the ego yeah <laughs> you're you're wanting there to be a, a handrail and your hand reaching out for it is a perfectly natural non-pathological expression of you existing as an individual person mm-hmm 
what I don't love about a lot of the self-helpy spiritual stuff on Instagram is that it's very binary and dualistic that it, it splits off the ego from the, whatever else there is. Yeah. Like if, if you can get into that other part, that's not so linear, that's not so death phobic, scared of the organic, scared of the prehistoric, the, the non, um, animal parts of like just the empty space of it all mm-hmm. like that terrifying stuff that like just like if you like a hubble photograph you don't want to look at it's fucking hair raising there's yeah, something yeah. about it that will make your your anus pucker it's 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 <laughs> scary stuff somehow yeah the enormity of it but you could do that in the morning like you don't have to read the book of john just look at a bunch of hubble yeah pictures it, it it's the it's the whatever it is that um humbles us in that kind of way yeah so I don't want to kill the ego because that flatters the ego somehow. Like, no, that's a functional component of, 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 a, of a separate entity. But, um, I think it's, it's, um, it's hard. I, Cause I kind of think that's the only thing we're doing here in this universe is either doing that or not doing it. Right. If that makes sense. Well, yeah. Well, and that's like we're all caught up in doing it by default, and the little Instagram bone mos you're trying to commodify the not doing it. But sometimes they vibrate. Sometimes yeah. they they jar something loose. But yeah, it's it's hard to let go of it. But it's it's also the more content that we're absorbing. None of that content is coming from like, or n- very little of it's coming from a place of non-purpose. Mm-hmm. Like even th- the ones with good agendas have agendas. Yeah. And the more we, we swallow of it, that's why I think I get so table poundy about this stuff is because I have this, this feeling that's, that's, that's hard for me to, it's just on the tip of my brain kind of that, um, we're losing the possibility of sitting down in, in whatever that is, that truth. That's not just the busy, 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 busy content attitude machine. Yeah. The attitude machine. The locus of attention. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard it's hard to slow it down. But that's I mean, that's where it's like you know. Even if it's just a weird little life hack, you, there's only so far down the compost heap rabbit hole I can go. Like, no, but I think that you're completely right, though. About it's totally like what you described is like I. There's a roller coaster I go through when you're describing that kind of thing, hmm. where I'm like, yeah, 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 that's it. I feel that's it, right? And then it's like, and that's a great, and then you like, in summary, mm-hmm. then I'm like, wait, maybe that wasn't it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, I don't think, I feel like it, it's the life hack takes you somewhere. So we talked about last week, like, is it hypocrisy that a airplane takes off from the ground? Right, 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 right. No, There's the life hack can take you somewhere else, but it, it, it's like, you don't say the guitar, the guitar is no less important because you need a bass in the band. It's just, yeah. we have plenty of guitar notes in the culture. We have plenty of life hacks. We have plenty of little twists and well, little 
takes and little attitudes, but do we have the bass notes? That's what I wonder. Hmm. Or do I have the bass notes? So that's why I'm talking about this submission and all this stuff, because is there something that we're not leaving enough space to get in? Or we're not. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it's because it's the same impulse whether I'm caught up in like content binge numbing myself or like specifically not doing it and like focusing on chores because it's like a more mindful Buddhist way to go about my life. But this this idea of like I'm just trying to judge myself less, like I was saying earlier, for going about things with an agenda. If that agenda is like a healthy, right, helpful thing to me. Yeah, and I, I, I guess my, what I'm laying on you now is a big life hack, I guess, is <laughs> that if you prioritized God or vibes or Hubble yeah. satellite photograph, like whatever, if, if you submitted in a certain way, that, that self who allows for hybridity and paradox and allows for your the voice that might sound that you would get maybe less tangled in those things that they, that they would seem less contradictory hmm. if, if you if you watered that other place that if we submitted to the the other thing and communed with it more sure then um there would be less of that tangling of but if I try, then I'm not trying to try, try. Like <laughs> those things where you get caught up in the, the logic right. of it instead of the feeling of it. Right. Well, and like that's, and that's the most diminishing return language has is like trying to probably the internal logic of it in your own head. Because at some point I just want to be and not be like overthinking if I'm being the right way or not. Right. And, uh, and we did it. It felt good, but I'm going to feel a lot of shame for ranting about God. <laughs> I enjoyed this. I'm just going to get that on record. I, I'm glad I showed up with my whole brain and was present and had this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, folks. It did what it did. You can reach us, stubbornfellows at gmail.com, or just listen every week. And we'll see you in seven days. Bye-bye.